Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia, and welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily Wallace here with you always. I am joined by John Pigeon. And John, today is a part one of a two-part series because... I'll be honest, when I put this little Facebook post up in the My Millennial Money group, and side note, if you're not a member, go and hit up that group on the old Facebook. But I'll be honest, I was poolside in Fiji and I was thinking, I'm going to record on Tuesday and I think we need to hear from the community themselves. What do they wish they had known before they moved into the property or what have they found out since they moved in? And it's a pretty long thread, isn't it? It is. It went for ages and I couldn't keep up and I'm relying on you today, Emily, to <laughs> abbreviate all that for me and let's uh, let's punch this out and get a result. Indeed. Let's get into part one of What I Wish I Knew. Okay, John. So the idea of me putting this post up was actually to get a bit of a feel of almost like mistakes to avoid. It was just a different way of wording it, I guess. And the community has really delivered on this because so many people jumped on board with all these things. And it's even made me think like, what do we need to add to our checklist of inspections for clients? Because there are some random things that, you know, could happen once in a blue moon on here. Yeah. And and I think it's like for those that are renting at the moment, I, I rented for a good 10 or 15 years of my adult life, yes. um, I, I think it's almost like a try before you buy when you rent, isn't it? Is see, well, this is what I would do if I owned this house or this is what I've found in this rental and I don't want it when I buy my own house. So it, that's a really good um, a testing phase of your life if you are renting. But yeah, when you buy your own home and you've got these issues that you either didn't do enough research to find out about or, or no one told you and it occurred down the track, it can hit you for six, can't it? Definitely. And that's kind of what sparked the thought process behind this because the rental that I'm in, if I had taken my rose colored glasses off and also we had to, we had to find a rental. So we're in a bit of a rush, Mm. but um, we are elevated on almost like stilts and there's a garage door underneath our place. And so whenever it rolls up, the dog goes nuts, partner's on a call, he can't hear anything. I'm freaking out. And also, because it is on stilts, every time there's a spin cycle on the washing machine, the whole house (laughs) shakes. (laughs) Can't do anything. So, that was an oversight. Yeah. Well, as you said that, like there's a rental shortage around the country. So, when someone has to take something just because that's the only thing available, we, we don't maybe, we're guilty of not putting a lot of thought into this. Totally. It's out of a desperate need. So yeah, hopefully when we reel off the comments from the community, you can take away some things to be vigilant of when you're inspecting out there, whether you're buying or renting. Um, So hopefully this helps. Now, Mm. the first one comes from Josh 
Milia, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And Josh says, I wish I had checked what type of internet connection was available. Moving from somewhere that had very, very fast internet to a place that now has shaky internet was not such a fun time. And I have to agree with you, Josh. That's kind this of is, a deal breaker, right? It's it's very fitting when it, when it took us twenty minutes <laughs> to get started today, Emily. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, that that is a really what would seem an obvious one, but I think what's amplified that is working from home in maybe the last twelve eighteen months, uh, where people might not have been used to it or might not have spent as much at home, and all of a sudden we've got two or three different parties working off that same internet. It uh, it really comes into play, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have had clients who have said to me, we're not taking a property with less than XYZ, whatever speed it was. I'm not very much of a tech head, as you probably noticed, uh, but there's people who do know these things in intricate detail and yeah. it's something that it does. You use internet every single day for extended yeah. periods of time. So it needs to be good. I'm, I'm on board with that, Josh. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So I suppose for someone that's thinking that and writing that down as a key criteria, we've got to talk to people in the street, don't we, to see how they are experiencing their time there and has it improved or gone backwards over time because the more people around, the the more pressure it puts on internet and everything else. Exactly, particularly in new estates as well where it hasn't been stress tested as such. I think yeah. that's something to be careful of too. Yeah, good one. Now, next cab off the rank, Keely. Keely says, I wish I'd understood how difficult it can be owning an apartment when one or two body corporate members are controlling and hold a lot of power. Um, mm. She also goes on to say she wished she'd visited the um, property at different times of day so I knew my upstairs neighbours were smokers and that smoke would filter down into my apartment constantly. Keely's not having a yes. great time by the sounds of it, no, poor Keely. Ke- Keely's suffocated there, isn't she? And and I was only talking to someone on a clarity call last week about this. They uh, own an apartment yeah. and it's actually a rental at the minute for them but they are on the strata committee and it takes up no less than 20 hours of their week, would you believe, in, in admin and follow-up and um, liaison with everyone else on the team of that strata committee and you get one personality that's out of line with everyone else and it can be a real nightmare for, for the others within the, the strata complex. So that's that's the first part of it. The second with the smoking, well, gee, stronger walls are required there, isn't it? And uh, and maybe some rules around strata. I don't know. Do you, can you have a no smoking policy through your building? I think in your private residence, I don't think you can, you know, like your home is your home, do what you want. But I guess if yeah. you're doing it with the window open and it's drafting into other people's properties, it, you know, yeah. does become a bit problematic. And I guess approaching that in a sensitive and correct way is also, you know, you've got to be on the right side of that person if you approach them about that situation. Yeah. And, and down the rabbit hole of smoking, when I, when I was growing up all those years ago, Emily, <laughs> uh, smoking was quite a, a, um, a common thing. So we'd go out to a pub and everyone would be smoking in the pub, would you believe it? Now, the rules have um, changed over the years. So when you smell smoke, I, I feel like, oh, well, where did that come from? That's yeah. strong. Obvious. Whereas, yeah, 20 years ago, it was, it was common. It was everywhere. Yeah. Um, just touching back on that body corporate piece as well, um, and I guess for those thinking of buying into a body corporate, like how would you even avoid knowing that? It is a hard thing to avoid knowing the intricate details of the members of the body corporate, but yeah. at the very, very least, you should be making a phone call to the body corporate explaining that you are a prospective buyer in the block and you just want to get a bit of a feel, you know, 
how is it managed? The meeting minutes will tell you, you know, X amount, but it won't tell you everything. So do do that, you know, further deep dive. You'll be able to find the body corporate actual company on the meeting minutes and then just Google them and yeah. find their number. Yeah. And and the whole owner-occupier versus investor ratio is really important, just not only mm. in this topic, but, but everywhere in general for performance, right? So, yeah, you can door knock, can't you, to, yeah. to chat to... To neighbours and so, uh, okay, who's on the committee? What's the history been like? And does everyone get along? And 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 like anything, I think the less you've got in the conversation, the better the outcome. So if there's only four or five in the strata group, then that makes it a lot easier, less complicated than if there was 40 in the complex. Indeed. And uh, when you're in a smaller group, also an odd number does help for majority rules. <laughs> Just mm. a little tip there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so next one. Oh, this is one I found really interesting from um, Tanika. So Tanika was talking about the fact that she'd bought uh, a property with a pool and in hindsight she now wished that she'd put a clause in the contract that the pool needed to be maintained until settlement because pretty much what happened was Mm. it was fine when they inspected it but then the pool was green and slimy when they moved in and it was very hard to keep them accountable to it because there was no, you know, particular clause. But the actual pool pump had blown up and it was $4,000 that they weren't planning on spending that they spent the week they moved into the property. Wow. So looking at that, it needs to be in the same condition as you viewed it. Yes. So when you view that property and there's a door missing, right, the door needs to be replaced. If the pool's working out the back when you view the property, it's got to be working and in an acceptable condition when you take over. So I would have thought there should have been some pushback there to to actually say, well, that's the current owner's fault, not the new owner. Definitely. I think one of the biggest things that's so hard to prove as well is without physical evidence, like i.e. a video or a photo that's got a time stamp on it and date, it can be hard to contest those things. I I certainly would recommend, you know, going for it and contesting that it's very different to what you cited. But when you get into a legal battle between two conveyances who are very strong (laughs) on either side of the fence, uh, it can be difficult. And and that's a cue for due diligence. Like we Mm -hmm. video every house we inspect and then uh, ultimately buy if we choose to. But I think that's that's a no-brainer is to get um, some video, uh, whether that be a walkthrough where you're not there with the agent just so that you can, um, you can get a copy of that. But Or if you're in person, I would be videoing to see, as you said, date stamp it, but uh, see the condition of the property when on the day that you viewed it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, good um, little side note here about being part of the Facebook group because there's a picture uh, that that references this particular person's comment. Um, Lauren Harrison has spoken about uh, considering remedial expenses and having a buffer for them. Yeah. So they moved in and they had a home that has major stormwater issues, the poor things. They're fixing it uh, themselves a lot without trade expense, uh, a lot without experience, but it would have been up to about 30K easily. And Lauren's put Ooh. a picture of her partner holding this the biggest tree stuff I've seen that they've obviously pulled out of wow. what was blocking the stormwater drains. Mm. And that's so hard to – I mean, how can you know that before moving into the yeah. property? It's a really difficult one. Yeah, well, you, you sort of do get a feel, don't you? When you walk down the street, you get out of the car and you see 
three thumping big gum trees out the front of your house, yes. um, there's a reasonable indication that there'll be some, some roots going somewhere underneath the surface and there's a good chance that they might gravitate towards water. So, yeah, I'd be cautious if I saw big trees in the front yard to yeah. be able to just check plumbing and whatever else and, and whilst that's going to continue to grow, uh, we would anticipate that there may be some issues going forward at some stage but, yeah, that's a big cost, isn't it? Massive and just generally just a note on buffers, like I do think it would be naive to expect you move into a, a new property, um, well, not new but, you know, a, a new place of residence and not have some sort of issue or maybe something you need to change that you discover when you do move in within the first couple of months. So when you are buying, it is advisable to have some sort of buffer in place for yeah. um, potential things that pop up. It might be, you know, a few grand that you put aside, maybe three to 5,000 that could be for emergency works or something or just something that needs to be altered. Um, you wouldn't want yeah. to move into a property with no cash buffer behind you. I think that would be a, a bit tricky. No, absolutely not. Now, one more before we go to the break. This mm. one I would absolutely endorse. Ash Clement says, check the water pressure. <laughs> I didn't in our first rental and there was next to no pressure. Luckily, although not at the time, not for the owner, the shower water just stopped and the house piping had to be replaced. We ended up with great water pressure. But isn't that a game changer, especially in Melbourne and Canberra in winter when the hot water's trying to trickle in and you've got very little flow very frustrating. I did see someone chimed in with um, a special uh, shower head that you can buy that apparently can make the pressure better, which I don't exactly yeah. know how that works. Not a plumber, but <laughs> no. it is. a lot of people did like that comment. It's obviously a common one that people do check as the water pressure in the properties. Yeah, and, and a good friend of mine's a plumber. They're, they're not cheap, uh, the call-out fee for a plumber. So, yeah, that's a good one to check when you're doing the rounds when you're buying a property is just to turn turn all the amenities on, get the heater going, get the, the fans going, get the split system on, get the water on and, and have multiple um, don't be afraid to, to go and do all of that in your due diligence, even though everyone else is walking through maybe at the same time as you. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're doing your checks. So, yeah, be confident in that. But water pressure is a big one, especially like this gravity-fed water uh, hot water systems um, back in the olden days, and they can be uh, a little bit, um, what would you call it, inconsistent. Yeah, you don't want that. Well, I think we'll take a quick break and come back with plenty more rolling through these 93 comments on this post. <laughs> if you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so Jamie has made a comment that I think we definitely need to address more generally because um, Jamie is speaking about the fact that they felt that they were being too nice when they were buying or selling. So, for example, you know, too nice to request minor things to be fixed prior to settlement date um, when buying and too nice when selling. We fixed all the minor things that were wrong with the house that wasn't in the contract and then realising they probably could have saved themselves some money if they weren't being, you know, just so like, oh, it doesn't matter, like we'll fix it ourselves. Um, And also not knowing all the hidden costs when buying a first home. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like maybe they didn't quite understand um, the additional things that might be involved, you know, conveyancing or building and pests and things like that. So, just touching on that thing of being too nice, I think a lot of people do have the tendency to just be like, oh, it'll be right, like we'll fix it or oh, don't stress yeah. over that. Particularly in a hot market, a lot of people yes. just want to get a house and whether it's rental or buying, they just don't address things. I think it's really important to go into bat for yourself um, without, I mean, there are some things that would be deemed unreasonable to request potentially if it was already in that particular state, but your first inspection versus your pre-settlement inspection, if you have noticed things that are different, don't be afraid to speak up and ask for those to be changed. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, and make sure that your requests have come through as well, because they can often get to the stage where, okay, pre-settlement checklist pick that up, by the time you actually move in, they still hadn't been done mm-hmm. and it's game over once you're in. It's, um, yeah, you, you won't get those things changed. But, yeah, a, a good conveyancer will go into bat hard for you, won't they? If um, if you can send them the, the building and pest or the copy or photos or video of the property from your initial visit, they can then fine-tooth comb all of that. So Benji Nolan says, be extremely suspicious about any room that is carpet but also has lots of random rugs on top of the carpet. <laughs> now, this is Unitrick 101 if I've ever seen it. Is that, that's all we used to do was, uh, was cover stuff up with tables and carpets and rugs and little things. Uh, yeah, big suspicion there when we've got a heap of rugs. There's a good chance that there's something under there that you don't want to find. Also, if the rug is there just for actual purpose of, you know, not hiding anything, but do be careful that when it's removed, particularly if it's on like wooden flooring or even carpet, because of the sunlight, it actually can leave a whole patch of where the outline of it is as well. So yes, it could be there covering something, but even if it's not to be aware that it's there and just lift it up because if it's been there for a very long time, you might get a bit of a nasty colouring surprise and you might have to buy a rug that's a similar size just to make it fit. Yeah, absolutely. Do you talk about some of these things in your first homeowner course? I do. A lot of what we talk about in the first homeowner course is around, yeah, what to look for at inspections, mm. um, particularly like when dealing with agents and stuff because a lot of yeah. first-time buyers don't know what's what's normal, what can I ask, no. what should I, shouldn't say. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're really guided by maybe your parents or you're taking a builder along or your real estate agent telling you something that might not be completely accurate because they want to get a sale, would you believe? <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things to, yeah, the, if it's your first time, it can be extremely daunting. And, and if you're just looking at the house from the outside in and, and looking at it and think, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool, um, I'll take that at the price because I'm pre-approved and everything else, we, we gloss over the small things that we might find out, which is the idea of this thread, I suppose. But yeah, a tip there would be just to bring someone with you who's, it's not their first red AO. They've been there and done that. They can, they can lift the carpet, lift the rugs up. They can look under the house. They can have a look at the roof and they can see the gum trees and all these things that that might be potential issues down the track. Yeah, someone who's got high attention to detail just more generally or someone who's bought a few properties Mm. is always a good person to have on your side when you're inspecting. Yeah, so you're saying someone female? (laughs) <laughs> not necessarily because <laughs> that's what I would eye. do I'd take my wife um, with me just for that purpose alone mm. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> so change of pace probably more looking on a macro level than the actual property itself Kate Lambley has said, I wish we checked out planned developments for the area in advance. We moved into a house in a little pocket of houses surrounded by bush and wildlife. Within five years, it was all knocked down and it had been turned into tiny house blocks. We spent we spent nearly the whole of the first six or seven years living in a construction zone. Oh my gosh, mm. Kate, you must have really loved the house because I would have been red hot out of there. <laughs> yeah. And when you're maybe in the in the city and you've got apartment blocks all around you and potential vacant blocks there or, or demolition sites. It, it's pretty obvious to see that the next few years are going to be construction sites of some description. But in that instance, it, it, it probably crept up on her. She moved in with bushland around and all of a sudden it got cleared and was developed. So what can she do to avoid that? Well, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But one thing I would do is, is check with council and see what any, any, any development pending or is there anything been approved that yet hasn't been uh, constructed or commenced? Council websites are honestly such a good source of truth and some are better than others. Like some you can really, the maps that they have and the overlays of plans that have been approved versus upcoming or submitted, um, they they do vary in how good they are. But more generally, the big projects that, that councils are working on are well and truly advertised. And if you yeah. can't find it, just give them a call. Like they are very helpful. If you just explain you're moving to the area and you want some intel, you'll generally find that they're happy to have a chat with you and let you know, you know where their funding's going and, and what's coming up. Yeah, that's right. There's one site called RLB Crane Index. Um, when I talked about high-rise apartments, you can go on to RLB Crane Index and it'll talk about how many uh, cranes are in the sky in, oh. in, well, pretty much capital cities. You don't see too many cranes in regional locations, but um, both commercial and resi. So that gives you a feel of what, what's happening at, at the one time, but that's that's visual. You can you know that that's occurring. So if you combine that with the uh, with your council re- websites, you've um, you've you've got a pretty good start, haven't you? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you can never have enough intel, I reckon, when you go in to buy a place. Mm. Um, Correct. And as we touched on before, you know, if you can get hold of the neighbours or even like neighbours do often attend inspections of properties too. Like just try and suss out or overhear and if it is a neighbour, like hit them up. What is it like? What do I need to be aware of? If there's things that would make you, you know, be a deal breaker that they're telling you, then probably the Mm. best 
best way to find out. Neighbours are always yeah. helpful. Mrs Mangles. So the uh, w- one thing that might seem an obvious one but is sometimes overlooked and a- as you said, Emily, in a hot market you can fast track these decisions um, is going there in different times of the day and different days of the week. So if we're near schools, so we're going there at 8.30 in the morning and 3.30 in the Arvo, um, if it's weekends, what's the foot traffic like? What's the what's the car um, movement like through the weekends versus during the week? And and going back two, three, four, five times, you get to see a lot of things happening as opposed to your inspection time that can often be a time that's convenient to avoid a lot of those um, issues that you might see as a problem. Indeed, yeah. I think even just sitting out the front or sometimes we, we stay back after the inspection, like yep. 15 minutes or so or go ahead just to get a bit more of a feel. Yeah. What's going on? Going when it's raining is always a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Like you just – can you smell the moisture? <laughs> so true. Uh, so they're actually just on the topic of rain. There was one here that came from Sarah Booth and Sarah said, I wish we had known whether the basement of our house would flood. It was bought in a drought and we moved during that time. It's now raining again and it's apparent that the drainage is inadequate uh, and it doesn't – oh, she must be renting, it says, and they don't want to fix it. So I think um, oh, it's such a hard one when you're a seasonal buyer, right? Like drought versus extreme rain, you are going to have a very different experience in the house. Mm, absolutely. Uh, drainage keeps popping up. Drainage is such a big one and I don't – like unless you do get a massive downpour, as you said, inspecting during the rain, like how are you yeah. supposed to know these things? No, you don't. And and that changes over time, call it El Nino or anything else. But I know locally on the Central Coast, we've just in the last few weeks had as much rain as I've ever seen yeah. and houses have flooded that haven't flooded before. Like they were a one in 100 year flood zone. Now they're a one in 25. Now they're almost feels like a one in two. Yeah. Um, so things change over time as well. How do you know that? Some things you just can't prepare for, but there's a lot. Most of these things that we've spoken about today so far, we can not not necessarily avoid, but just be aware of it when we're doing our due diligence. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Sheridan Pallum has a really good comment here. She talks about uh, renting in the area before she bought. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, this will sound really sad and really entitled, forgive me, <laughs> but I wish we'd rented in the place we'd bought Uh, before we bought it. It's been a big change and that's made it hard to love both the house and the area. So, yeah, it's very hard to often rent that particular house that you're going to buy. Yes. But you can definitely rent in the area, can't you? And uh, that's, a, I think, a great idea if you're considering spending a million dollars in an area. You try before you buy. Even just getting acquainted with the local strip of shops, you know, is there a good coffee place is there a good butcher and baker and what does your day-to-day look like do you need to commute to go get your groceries can you walk to the train station all those sorts of things that can only come from living in an area yeah there's only so much information you can gather from locals who live there I think you do have to experience it for yourself and also I guess that sort of gut feeling or that vibe of an area will be different for everybody some people love you know beachside some people love being near parkland or there's different Mm. appeals as to what makes them feel good about a place so if you can i mean renting in an area before you buy would always be advisable 
Yeah, and and a lot of families in particular put a, a huge focus on school zones, uh, the the top ranking schools by state or by city, right? And and when I look at those, having been a teacher myself, um, they're a very subjective list because what what school might suit one kid might not suit another, even though they might be the top three school in the in the city. So I, I wouldn't take that as the only decision to to buy in that particular area just to be in that particular school zone. So again, it may be a, a, a rent for six months, 12 months, get a feel for it before you fully commit financially. I agree. And also just on the note of schools, the school can drastically change with a change of principle. You know, mm. they come in and change the program. You and I both know from, you know, teaching background, like the principal is, dictates a, a fair bit of what goes on in a school. And yeah. if they do have a retirement or a change in the direction of the values and the principles of the school, then, you know, you buy in when your little one is three, hoping to get enrolled in prep and whatnot. And maybe within five years, it's changed anyway. So yeah, it always totally. does baffle me that people are so set on the school zones when over time it actually, reputation can drastically change. Yep, for sure. We've got one to finish, have we? Yes, we do indeed. So um, this is an interesting one from Jessica. So she said, another one I just remembered, so we'll have to find the other one that she put as well for the next episode. (laughs) She said, I think I wiped it from my memory to preserve my sanity. (laughs) Our building inspector couldn't get into the roof due to some items being in the way. We accepted this rather than getting him to come back. Uh, So we proceeded with the sale only to find out that when we moved in, um, that some damaged cornice in four rooms of the house were actually due to failed roof trusts. And not just water damage, as the builder inspector had guessed. Obviously, they couldn't get access. Um, We got quotes to fix it properly, and it was upwards of 20 grand. Uh, Builders have confirmed it was structurally sound, so not a risk. Um, So we have kind of cosmetically fixed it, but I'm sure it'll pop up when we go to sell the house again. And that there lies the issue, when you go to sell the house again. Yes. Because... You know, if a building and pest inspector can get access to what the previous one couldn't and that does flag, for some people, it could be a deal breaker. Yeah, those dirty dogs. What were they hiding? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, le- leave nothing to chance is really the, the tip there, isn't it? It's like, well, if something's obstructing it, let's get it out of the way and get it fully inspected. And, and, and again, the building and pest inspectors need to be thorough and they need to have that same approach as, they, as though they were going to buy it as opposed to it just being another inspection for, for them and it might be the 10th for the day and they've just had enough and they need to move on. They need to treat it as though it's their own and, again, comes back to having a good team of people around you. But, yeah, if, if that wasn't obstructed and the building inspector could have got through, what would they have found? Could that have been avoided? Sounds very much likely it could have been. Indeed. Well, that wraps up part one. We have still got so much to get through in this thread. Um, and I just love that everyone got on board with it. So good. Hopefully, yeah. if you're listening as a first time buyer or even a renter, you've taken some value from today of some things to be aware of. Um, but definitely stay tuned for next week's episode where we cover part two with some more interesting things to keep an eye out for in your property journey. Mm. Let's do it. Part two is coming right up.
We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Taking your property journey to the next level starts with education. That's why we make this podcast, but we've also created online courses to equip you with the knowledge you need to take the next steps. I've created the Solvair Online Academy, open to both first home buyers and seasoned investors, where I share my tips and experience from 20 years in the property space. And if you're a first home buyer, I have the course just for you. Everything from pre-approval all the way through into your settlement and everything in between. How to place an offer, how to bid at auction, what to even look for at an open home and what questions to ask the agents. It's all covered in my online course. Follow the links in the show notes to sign up and get started today. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.